if you would, to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. If you were here last week, we had a quiz. Do you all want another quiz? (laughs) No, we're not going to do that again. Uh, I figured people would be throwing stuff at me if I did that again. I am convinced today more than ever before that it is important to know what we believe and why we believe it. Um, the, our theme this year is anchored in Christ, and <clears throat> I, I do not, I cannot comprehend how we could not know. Let's see, how do I want to say that? If we're going to be anchored in Christ, we've got to know what we believe and why we believe it. It is a fundamental uh, principle that we need to get a hold of. <clears throat> and my desire in this in this study that we started last week, my desire is not to get you to think like I think. That is not my desire in any way, shape, or form. My desire is to get you to think like the Bible wants you to think. Now, I personally, when it comes to doctrine, I am personally convinced that I believe right. I have a feeling when I get to heaven that I'm going to find out that a lot of things that I wanted to uh, get really excited about and uh, throw my own two cents in, I I believe that I'm going to get to heaven and find out that, you know what, I I wasn't right. But when it comes to doctrine, we have everything we need to be able to determine what is right. God has given us everything that we need. I shared that last week that I go to a Baptist church. Well, let me me rephrase that. I started going to a Baptist church in uh, uh, probably end of June, 1st of July of 1980. And the reason that I went to a Baptist church is because the guy who was instrumental in, in, in me getting saved grew up in a Baptist church. That was the only reason I went to a Baptist church. Honestly, and I mean this with all the sincerity I can I can muster, when I got saved, I did not know that there was a difference between a Baptist and a Catholic and a Mormon and a Jehovah's Witness or, or, or anything. I just figured they were just churches with different names. I really honestly thought all churches believed the same thing. I did. <clears throat> now, I believe, and I, I would like to believe, that I am a Baptist today because of conviction. Yeah. Not because I have always been Baptist since I was saved. That, that I hope and I pray that that is not at all why I'm a Baptist today. <clears throat> In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 15, it says, 
And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come uh, in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure and the stature and the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie, lay, lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, many grow up uh, into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. In Ephesians, Paul is, is, is reaching out to the, the church in Ephesus and he's trying to get them to understand that there is a lot of garbage out there that calls itself doctrine. Okay? And, and if Paul had to deal with, a, with false doctrine in the first century church, do you think the problem has gotten any better? <laughs> Hey, yeah, with the with the advent of the internet, any any kook that can sound good uh, can I you know I, I know I won't tell you who it is because I, you don't need to know, but I personally know someone that that is an internet pastor. He, he has an internet church. And they do communion. I'm like, how do you do that? I, I, I don't know how he does it. I, I, you know, that is, that is not church. I'm sorry. That is nowhere, nowhere in Scripture can we meet over the internet and, and have fellowship. And, 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 I, and, and the, the, the crazy thing is, as bizarre as that is, he has got hundreds of people that follow him. That, to me, is the sad part. Now, if it was just him and his wife and a couple of people that, you know, I, I, you know, okay, yeah, I get it. But no, there are literally hundreds of people all over the world that follow this guy. It's bizarre to me. The title of my message is the same title as last week because <laughs> we really didn't get very far last week, and that's as Baptist Distinctives. <clears throat> Baptist Distinctives. Now, I, I made this statement. I want to make it a, this statement again because I believe it's a very true statement. I, whenever I tackle a subject like this, I run the risk of becoming... Very boring, because it, it this is this this kind of a subject has the tendency to being very academic. But let me ask you a question: Is doctrine important? Absolutely, it's important. And if I were to only preach messages that kept you awake and entertained you then I would be in the category of the people I'm criticizing. 
We need to know doctrine. We need to know what we believe and why we believe it. Again, I am not trying to convince you that what I'm telling you is truth. What I'm trying to get you to do is dig into the Word of God and determine it for yourself. Last week we talked about uh, the difference between Baptist churches and denominational churches. And then the, that the name Baptist is not a, not a definer of, 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 of denomination, but is an identifier of doctrine, a doctrinal position. <clears throat> a denominational uh, title, a church, not only recognizes an organization that, that has a certain set of doctrines, but practices that go along with those doctrines. And there is a fine line to, to the, my definitions here. And so um, uh, please understand, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to, to knock or to take out any denomination. That is not my purpose at all. But it is important that we understand what we believe. And you're gonna hear, you're, over the next few weeks, you're going to hear me say that statement a lot. What do you believe? Why do you believe that? Unfortunately, when you grow up in church, you end up believing whatever the church that you have attended your whole life believes. Um, most of us, <clears throat> now I, I don't know, I, I did not grow up in church, so it was not that way for me. But I know for both of my children, it was a deep, um, desire of mine that my children live for God not because I told them to but because they believed this book and that the things that I believed it was my job and my responsibility to convey those things to my children but it's their choice it's their decision. This week I was talking with someone, I won't tell you who it is because it's not important, <clears throat> but I was talking with somebody uh, <clears throat> this, uh, this week and uh, they, they called me on the phone and said, hey, uh, do you know so-and-so? And, -and, -so? and I, I said, no, I, I don't. And, and uh, they said, oh, well, so-and-so just talked to me and uh, this individual is starting a non-denominational group in our church and wants to reach out to our church to see if we want to be a part of that. <clears throat> now, let, let me ask you a question. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm not giving names or things because that's not important. What is important is the statements that, that were made. What is non-denominational mean? Somebody define it for me. Okay. Uh, not a, it literally means not to affiliate with any denomination. Okay, that's the literal definition of it. But in a practical sense, what does that mean? Okay, it's a lack of commitment. They get to pick and choose what they believe and how they practice it. Okay, anything else? No reassurance that they're teaching God's word. Okay. 
Okay, there's no reassurance. Now, in the, in the conversation that took place, again, I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not attacking anybody, but please understand my motives here. The statement was made, <clears throat> well, the, the, the purpose is to get people, people from all of the churches in town together into one body. Now, on the surface, does that not sound very Americanish? Okay, are we not taught as a society to be very inclusive? Okay, oh, just because somebody doesn't believe like you do, that doesn't mean that you can't spend time with them. Huh? Kumbaya. Kumbaya. I like that. Yeah, we used to, in the Boy Scouts, we'd all get around the campfire, we'd hold hands and sing Kumbaya. Okay, at the end of the camp. Yeah, oh, yeah, we'd always walk away with this little warm, fuzzy feeling. And, you know, oh, yes. Okay, but, but, but doctrinally, where is there a problem with that? Okay, I heard two yeses. Are there some people, and, and, and trust me, that I need to know this. Are there some people that do not understand the impact of, of that kind of an organization? Okay. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> At least I saw one hand. Okay. <clears throat> Second Corinthians. Oh, you know what? I forgot to read First Timothy. Let's let's go ahead and read First uh, Timothy chapter three verses fourteen and fifteen. These things write I unto you, hoping to come to you shortly. So Paul is in prison when he writes this, and he's saying, my hope is that I'm getting, going to be out of prison and I'm going to be able to see you shortly. Now, my understanding is, I could be wrong here, but my understanding is he never does get out of prison. I think this is his last visit to prison before he dies. Uh, verse 15 says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest behave thyself in the house of, of, of God which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. So what is, you tell me, what is Paul trying to communicate to young, the, the young preacher Timothy? Okay, that there's a way to do church. And <clears throat> because the church is the pillar and the ground of truth. Now, if... If our church was to align itself with an organization that encompassed every church in town, would every church in town let me let me see how I want to say this. Does every church in town preach truth? No. So then what would we be doing to the picture that we just read about? Okay, we would be allowing false doctrine to influence our lives. And me as the pastor, if I, if I, if I endorse an organization like that and say, hey, let's all go, then all of a sudden, now, now everything I hear at this thing, 
Mo, my pastor said it's okay to come, so everything that's being preached, I can believe. Wrong. <laughs> okay, so what does the Bible teach? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, that the fellowship uh, that fellowship hath <clears throat> with righteousness with righteousness, with unrighteousness, and with communion hath uh, light with darkness. Okay, now let's let's kind of pick this verse apart and and see <clears throat> again what Paul's trying to tell us. Number one, un, unequally yoked with unbelievers. That's kind of self-explanatory. I, I, there are churches in town that do not preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And my Bible very clearly tells me that I should not be uh, uh, unequally yoked with those kind of people. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Do you see it? And what communion hath light with darkness? There is no communion with light and darkness. Either you have darkness or you have light. Names names mean things. And the Baptist name is, is important. Um, I'm going to read this statement. It's my statement. It's my own quote. But I want to read it just to make sure that I, I say it correctly because I couldn't, when I actually typed this out, I thought, wow, that's pretty good. <laughs> I do that once in a while. I get good ideas. Um, okay, this is this is this is my quote. The the example set forth by Christ is one that loved people regardless, regardless of political, moral, or economic background. Is that a true statement? Let me let me read that again and then I'll finish my quote. The example set forth by Christ is one that uh, Christ set forth by Christ is one that loved people regardless of political, moral, economic background. But he stood for truth. So should we love the unsaved absolutely we should regardless of the political the moral the economic background should have no influence i was witnessing to someone this week and and as i was leaving <clears throat> the 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 individual asked me something nobody has ever asked me they he asked me he says by the way what is your ethnical background I'm like, dude, I am white. <laughs> and I, and I, 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 honest, I don't even know why I said that. I said, what difference does that make? Because to Christ, it made no difference. 
And then I, 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 I laughed it off and, you know, but it, it, was, it, it was just so far out of my realm of thinking. Christ died for all. Regardless of the, 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 the political, the moral, the economic background. But he always stood for truth. John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the, of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Who giveth, excuse me, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from the iniquities and purify unto himself a what? Peculiar people. Zealous to good works. The word peculiar here, and we're going to read it again in a, in, in a second. The word peculiar here doesn't mean peculiar in the sense of 21st century English. It doesn't mean weird or odd, it just means different. We are to be different. There should be a difference between somebody who walks with God and somebody who does not walk with God. Yes, the old man is dead. Put him, put him in the grave. First Peter chapter two, verses nine and ten. But ye are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which, is, uh, which in time past uh, were not a people, but are now the people of God, uh, which uh, had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. I'm here to tell you, the mark of a great church is not is not how many people come to that church the mark of a great church is understanding the doubt the balance between love and truth see we have we have this misconception in our in our thinking that a church that is successful is a church that 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 has more and more people coming all the time that has nothing to do with, this, with the, the health and the success of a church. Balancing love and truth, and, and I'm telling you here, it's a delicate balance. But Christ is our example of that balance. It takes commitment from the entire church body to pull off that balance. When somebody walks in the door that doesn't necessarily look right or smell right, we should love them just like anybody else.
I have something else that I wrote that I thought was kind of kind of good. Well, we're gonna what I'm getting ready to give you is an acrostic for Baptists, and <clears throat> it is it is commonly referred to as the the Baptist distinctives. It is the thing that identifies a Baptist church as a Baptist church. But in reality, I believe it should be called the Christian distinctives. Or even possibly the New Testament church distinctives. The first letter of the word Baptist is the word B. And we're going to talk for just, and I'm just going to, what I'm going to do tonight is I'm just going to read through this. I'm going to give you some verses for each, each of these points. And then in the following weeks, we're going to talk very in depth about every one of these points. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because if we, you know, just calling ourselves Baptists isn't enough. We got to know why we are Baptists. And the very first one is biblical authority. Biblical authority. Why is that the most important of all of the other attributes of a Baptist? Okay, it's final authority. Um, When I was ordained, I had to write out all of the doctrines and my beliefs on all of the doctrines. And and, and that's, that's a job, okay? But the very first doctrine, anybody know what the very first doctrine is that, that, that you have to deal with? Yeah. No. <laughs> no, it's, is it, huh? Well, it, bibliology is, is, the, is the, doctrinal, the doctrinal term of bibliology. And the reason why that is always first on the list is because if you don't get the Bible right, the rest of it is is empty. It's it's worthless. The the biblical authority, <clears throat> Acts chapter two verse forty two, and they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayer. <clears throat> what was the characteristic of the first century church? They stayed steadfast in the Apostles' Doctrine. It was the thing that held them together. One of the mantras in modern-day Christianity today is that doctrine divides. Well, I'm here to tell you that's, there's, a, there's a biblical term for that. It's called baloney. That's right. <laughs> doctrine unites. It is the commonality of doctrine that brings us together. The second letter is A, the autonomy of the local church. The autonomy of the local church. Acts chapter 14, verse 23. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed and fasted, uh, they commanded them, uh, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. Again, the autonomy of the local church. Our church, one of the things that sets Baptists off from most denominations is the fact that our church is our church. If we decided for some reason to, to, 
to come up with a rule that nobody could wear, uh, I don't know, ties that had gold in them or whatever. That is our prerogative. Now, it's kind of stupid, but we could do it if we wanted to because there is no organization, there's nothing out there, no, no association, nothing that could say, you can't do that. Because our church is our church. Again, this, these are things we're going to be getting much, much deeper into as, as the weeks progress. B-A, what's the next letter? P. <clears throat> I know because I have it in front of me. <laughs> I know how to spell Baptist. Um, but hey, it's, it's amazing. <clears throat> Every once in a while, you know, you get typing so fast, I, I misspell. That's a hard word to spell when you're... And I'm a bad typer, so... Anyway, uh, the priesthood of the believer. Anybody want to tell me what that means? Brandon? Brandon? Go ahead. Okay. Jim? Okay. 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 Believer priest. In other words, you will stand responsible before God for your own actions and your own choices. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace in time of need. The priesthood of the believer. That is an incredible doctrinal position that should be, I, I, to me it's an exciting thing because the, the, the fact is that it is, it is between me and God. And, 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 but with that comes a huge burden of responsibility. The, the, the fourth letter is what? T. That stands for two ordinances. Two ordina- ordinances. That's a, that's a hard one to say. The first one is baptism. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go ye, therefore into, <clears throat> uh, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. The second one is the Lord's Supper. Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 and 20, uh, to 28. And as they were eating, uh, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it, and gave it to his disciples, uh, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, uh, Drink ye uh, all of it, for this is my body of the New Testament, which is uh, shed uh, for many for the remissions of sin. Okay, what's the next letter? I. Okay. Individual soul liberty. Okay. This is where the personal responsibility takes place. This is where uh, we we will stand before God uh, and and give an account. Romans chapter 14, verses 11 and 12. For it is written, "As As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. 
the basic definition, I wrote this down, I don't, I, I don't think I gave it to Chris. Uh, the basic definition of individual soul liberty is that um, uh, at its most basic level, a, a belief in the power of God or to move every man. Soul liberty is the freedom to worship according to one's own conscience. Every man is a free moral agent before God and is accountable to him personally. We must stand, excuse me, we must all stand before God individually. No one will do it for us. In other words, recently I had somebody come to me and say, uh, I'm trying to remember exactly what they said. Anyway, they made reference to the fact that as a pastor, do I have the influence or the, the, the right to, to go to somebody in the church and say, you're not living right, you need to get right, and you need to stop it? Do I, do I, as a pastor, do I have that, the, 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 the right in my office as a pastor to do that? No. Now, as a, as a fellow believer, I have the right to go to someone and say, hey, you know, I've seen some things in your life that aren't, aren't right. You, you need to work on these things. But who ultimately is going to make those choices? That individual is. I, as a pastor, do not have the right to go into your home and tell you how to, to live your life or to run how to run your family. I don't do that. I can't. I can't do that. Now, if you come to me and ask for advice, <clears throat> you're going to get both barrels. Okay? <clears throat> but ultimately, who stands before God? The individual does. What's the next letter? No. <laughs> Good try, though. <clears throat> Separation. Separation. And there's, there's, two, there's two phases of separation. You, we have here uh, what, what is known as personal separation. We'll uh, look at 2, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourself from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which, is, which he received of us. So what, what is... God trying to tell us in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6, as far in, in, in relation to personal separation. Okay, we're not of this world. Anybody? Brandon? Okay, okay. We, we, we read these verses earlier that, that we are called to be peculiar people. We're supposed to be different. And very clearly here, we are told that, <clears throat> that we are to withdraw ourselves from people that don't act and think like we act and think. Why, why do you think that is so important? Light is not light when it's darkness. Okay. Okay. What, okay. Now, that does, what happens most of the time? Does good rub off on bad or does bad rub off on good? Okay. 99% of the time, bad rubs off on good. 
And, and I've, I've heard people, but, but pastor, I'm just trying to encourage this person. And I, and I, and my, my response is, you know what? Hey, you, you can do what you think you need to do, but you need to be very, very careful. The second type of separation, again, and we'll get deeper into all of these, is uh, anybody know what the other kind of separation is? Nope, ecclesiastical separation. Does anybody know what that is? <laughs> okay, it's yes. There's a there's a line, a, a line of doctrine. Uh, uh, Romans chapter sixteen, verse seventeen. I beseech you, uh, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to <clears throat> to what doctrine which ye have learned and what avoid them. Okay. Going back to our conversation earlier, this non-denominational group that, that, that wants to get our church involved in it, I believe we have a mandate by God not to associate with them. Why? Why is that so important? Because, it, again, we'll get into this deeper. I, I guess I should probably just shut up and, 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 and just we'll talk about it more later. But... <clears throat> If we get involved in, in, in organizations that, that preach or teach, the majority of what they preach and teach is truth, then how do we filter out the non-truth? You, you can't. You can't. And <clears throat> so we, again, we just need to be very, very careful. So what's the next letter? Truth. Nope. Good try, though. Uh, two, two offices. Two offices. <clears throat> Pastoral office, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints and for the ministering uh, and for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And then the second office in a Baptist church is uh, deacon, and that is in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. And, the, and, and let these also first be proved, and let them use the office of a deacon uh, being found blameless. Okay, and then we're going to add an S to the word Baptist because we're we're plural here, so we had to we had to squeeze in another one. <clears throat> this is saved church membership. Saved church membership. Acts chapter forty uh, six and forty seven, and they continued uh, daily without uh, excuse me with one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house. And did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor uh, with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as what? Should be saved. The church, the people in a, in a, in a New Testament <coughs> local church have to be saved. What happens if 
if somebody who comes in uh, and joins our church and is not saved? Okay, uh, you know they're not gonna. Uh, they, this book is is gonna be foreign to them. We are going to, again, go back and visit each one of these in depth over the next few weeks. But I want to go back to, the, to, the, to, to, to two of the questions I asked last week. And I want you to be thinking about these. Number one, why do you attend a Baptist church? It's critical that you answer that question in your own heart and your own mind. Go to the Scripture. I've given you lots of Bible verses to to be able to help you with that. And then number two, why do you come to this Baptist church? Hopefully, it's because this church preaches the truth. Hopefully, that's why you come. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father,